0: Vineyard Church family, it's great to be with you. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here, and if I've not had the chance to meet you, let me add my voice to the welcome, and as we just saw on that video, we are moving into a time together in the season of the church across the globe that's known as Lent, and this is sort of the 40 days where the church moves towards Easter and anticipates the redemptive work of God in Jesus. And what we're going to be looking at is this movement of the kingdom of God that makes us whole, this work of God that's making all things new, which we just spent some time talking about in our series, The Creator and Creation, actually unfolds. And I think your life and your assessment of what's at least going on around you in the world and in other people's lives is that there is a collision in the midst of every day we are living. And that collision is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. There is a collision of kingdoms. And the scriptures and the life of Jesus point us to this reality. And so we shouldn't be surprised. And as Jesus reminds us time and time again, do not be afraid. And yet as we look at the life of Jesus and we as a community long to follow Jesus in all things, I believe in this time, this season of Lent, which looks at Jesus being tempted in the, the desert, we must all come to grips with maybe a greater sense of resolve and conviction that there is a collision that we need to lean into. There is a work of God in the desert of our lives. And most importantly, in the story of God throughout the scriptures, it seems as though the most faithful thing People can trust when they find themselves in the wilderness, when they find themselves in desperation, when they find themselves in the desert, God is present. And that's good news. It's good news. And so my hope is as we journey over these next few weeks in this time of Lent, we will be encouraged. And we might begin to see things through a lens of the kingdom of God which is the primary way Jesus taught in the scriptures. And so I want to remind us that in this season of Lent, what we can see is the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke sort of all look at the fasting of Jesus and how he was filled with the Holy Spirit and how he yielded his life to the work of God. And we are invited to do the same thing. We're just invited into this story. And so I want us to maybe lean into the tension. I want us to maybe be willing to name what's real and then invite God closer. In this book, we've been referencing the gospel of the kingdom, scriptural studies in the kingdom of God. This language is used um, in early, and it says, from a kingdom of God perspective, we find ourselves living in this age. This age. We believe that Christ will come again, and there is an age to come where heaven is fully here. All things are made new. We've talked about this again in our last series. You should go check it out. Shameless plug for iTunes podcasting at Pearland Vineyard. There is an age to come where we get the fullness of heaven. We get the new heaven and the new earth, but we live in this age. And how many of you think this age that we live in is perfect? Oh, no. Oh, that's interesting. That was unanimous. Like not For those online, not a hand went up in the room. We live in this age, and here's what George Ladd says. He says, from a kingdom of God perspective, we find ourselves living in this age, and we await the second coming of Jesus Christ, which will move us into the age to come. This age is dominated by evil, wickedness, and rebellion against the will of God. How many of you think this age is defined by evil, wickedness, and rebellion against the will of God? Turns out it is in my life at times. Turns out there's a real collision in me to be obedient to the way of Jesus. And the age to come is the age of the kingdom of God where God's rule and God's reign is perfected and we live in perfect community with one another and with God. There is a collision There is a collision, and we need to open our lives to the work of the Spirit the way Jesus did. And so here's what I want you to do real quick to kind of maybe move us a little more active into the Scriptures today. I want you to picture yourself in a desert. And just picture how few people are around you, because nobody likes to just go hang out in the desert. And like, just imagine, is it like cold or is it hot? Is the sun beating down on you? Do you just see dune after dune after dune of sand? And if you find yourself in this desert and sort of everything's been stripped away from you, your car ran out of gas, it didn't have sand tires on it anyway, and it was not four-wheel drive, all your resources have been getting depleted and depleted and depleted. And you find yourself remarkably vulnerable in this desert. Can you picture it? Some of you are like sweating right now. You're like, oh, like oh, I can't. Like my mouth is all of a sudden more dry. In this desert, when you find yourself in this desert, what do you believe will satisfy you and give you life? In that moment where everything has been stripped back, what is it that you actually need and long for? See, that's the collision of our life. That's the collision of our soul day in and day out. What do I believe will satisfy my soul? What do I believe will give me life? And we must look to Jesus, because what I love about Jesus is God did not stay distant or removed from the human experience, but enters into the story, human, in the flesh, and begins to show us the way to live fully human, yielded to the kingdom of God. Jesus shows us the way. And so let me set the scene for you in the scriptures. I'm going to be in Luke 3, just to kind of set us up today, and this is Jesus around the time he was 30, and it places us in history, in real time, in a real place with real people and real story, and it says, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea, Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip Tetrarch of Atyria and Tronconitis, I call it T for short. It's just the worst reading names in front of a large group of people. And Licinius, Tetrarch of Abilene, got that one. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. The word of God comes to John in the wilderness. Go figure. Not much out there, but God's presence seems to show up. He went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth. And all people, some people, All people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers! Thanks, John. Appreciate that. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. The call of John to the people then is the call to us now as we come to the communion table week in and week out. It's the call to the church in this day and time to lean into the forgiveness of God and this turning back. That's what Lent is all about. Lent is this beautiful season where we can reflect on our lives. We can recognize the deserts and the things we've been trying to satisfy our soul with, but we keep coming up empty, we keep coming up dry, we keep coming up tired and weary and worn out, and we can turn and we can return to the giver of life. Lent is this invitation to turn to the Lord and to remember and renew our life with him. And John was making the call then, And so the people ask, what we, uh, should we do? It's a good question. What should we do? The crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share them with one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? There was this stirring. I don't know if you felt it, but there's this longing in their heart for something better, for something different. Feels much like our day and time. People looking, what should we do? What should we do? What should we do? It's a great question for Lent. God, what is it that you want to do in me? What do you want me to lay down? What do you want me to pick up? When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. See, what's interesting is John had been looking, and the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might be the Messiah. But John knew who he was, and John answered them, I baptize with water, but one is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not even worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Do you want that baptism? See, this interesting call of the kingdom of God is going to cause us to get honest with ourselves and then begin to say, God, this is what I've done with it. What will you do with it? This is what I've done with it. What should I do? What should I do? When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now here's why I spent time hanging out there this morning. I want to confront two really central things that we need to understand about Jesus. The first is this, Jesus had humbled himself completely into his humanity he had humbled himself completely into his humanity and he like us are invited to find his full identity as a child of God so he even humbles himself into baptism saying this is what I need he was perfect he didn't need baptism to cleanse him for his sins but he steps into the story of humanity and he says This is where my identity is marked, and it is sealed, and it is put down for sure. I am baptized, and while praying, the Holy Spirit falls on him, and the Father says, this is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. It is a solidifying of identity. It is a marking of his life, and it is an anchor for him for everything he is about to do. And we see the beautiful work of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you might be going like, yeah, Kurt, we got it. Like, that's what it just said. But this begins to change everything for me. Because what I need to understand is that Jesus in this clear moment of identity, Jesus in this clear moment of the Holy Spirit completely covering and filling his life, is on the doorstep of temptation, is on the doorstep of the kingdom collision. And we do not need to deceive ourselves as followers of Jesus that if my identity is in God, then there's no trouble coming at me. There's no collision for me. I'm a child of God. It's all easy. It's all good. Turns out Satan does not like children of God. And this is the collision we're going to see. Jesus, clearly named the Son of God with whom I'm well pleased, is about to have all of that tested in Luke 4. So if you are already a follower of Jesus and life has been hard for you, this series is for you. If you are not a follower of Jesus and you're exploring faith, I think you're going to be invited to know a God that loves you so much he will show you the way through the desert. And there will be an invitation to go, oh, I never thought that before. I I just thought that's sort of how life was. I just thought that's how life was. What I want us to see is that if Jesus needed his identity clearly connected to the Father, and if Jesus needed to anchor in these words that I am his son and he is pleased with me, for the record, hasn't done anything, hasn't healed yet, hasn't been miraculous, God's going, I love you because you're mine. That's what God wants to say to you today. I love you because you're mine. I want you because you were made in my image. You don't have to go prove it or go earn it. Jesus did not. He had not done anything in public ministry yet. You're like, Kurt, move on. Just Luke 3, it's like two verses. We can't move on from this. This is how Jesus lived every day of his life. I am the son of God. My identity is I'm his kid. And my way of seeing my way through the life is the Holy Spirit. Check this out in Luke 4. Now it will be on the screen behind me. Oh, the scriptures are good because they invite us to the living God. Here we go. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Do not dismiss that. You're like, but Jesus was perfect. Jesus was full of the perfect Holy Spirit. He had yielded his life. He had laid it all down. Philippians 2, you can check it out. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Hey, if you're in a wilderness right now, you might want to check and see if it's actually Spirit-led. That might encourage you. You're asking, where is God? And God's been leading the whole time. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written. Oh, that's tricky. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said. Do not put your Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left until an opportune time. There is so much in these 13 verses. We are going to preach it from like four different angles over the next four weeks. Because there is a collision we all are living in right now. This collision that we see Jesus in in the desert should give us hope and a way forward in our lives. And it invites us to something really important. And here's the first thing I believe is essential for us today. We need to decide to depend on the Holy Spirit. Jesus shows us a dependence on the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was full of the Holy Spirit. And it says he was led into the wilderness by, yeah. So the scriptures tell us that he was led by the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. And so we have to decide am I depending on the Holy Spirit or am I depending on my spirit? Am I depending on the voice of God and the presence of God here and now poured out for the church or am I relying on me? Do I resist the Holy Spirit because it's unfamiliar to me, or it's uncomfortable to me, or am I saying, if I am a follower of Jesus, Jesus, if this is the way you lived, I will do the same. I will do the same. I will decide to depend on the Holy Spirit for every day, for every step, for every movement, for the whole of my life. And depending on your tradition and depending on what you've experienced, this might make you really uncomfortable. So we anchor in Jesus, and we say, Jesus, if you are the way, the truth, and the life, and this is what it required of you to walk out your life here on earth, I will humble myself the way you did. And I will say, teach me. Teach me, Holy Spirit, what it is to follow you to be filled by you, to be led by you. Show me what it looks like to bear the fruit that only you can produce in me. And here's what I love, church. This should just take the pressure off. You get to receive the Spirit. You get to receive life with God, the presence of God filling you, leading you, guiding you. Decide to depend on the Holy Spirit. And in that decision, do not be surprised that temptation still comes. Do you all see that? I mean, can you see in Jesus? Full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, doing a wonderful spiritual practice fasting, which just made him what? More vulnerable. Like we see the humanity of Jesus. What does it say about Jesus? He was Hungry. At at 40 days, I would imagine so. I'm thinking like at 40 minutes, I might be like, man, this is a lot. I'm feeling weak. What about four hours? What about four days? See, the humanity of Jesus in this moment is a gift to us. Because Jesus is saying it's not about your strength, it's not about your will, it's about the way of my kingdom. Come live underneath my authority. Come step into the story of God the way I'm stepping into it. You can follow me in this. And do not be surprised when temptation comes. Temptation is different than sin. So how do we deal with this? Do not be surprised that temptation comes, especially after you decide to follow Jesus. What we have to do is if we're deciding to depend on the Holy Spirit, then we are anchoring our identity in God. There is nothing truer about who you are than you being a child of God. This is my son who I, starts with L, love. There you go. This is my son whom I love. This has to be rehearsed daily in our lives. We need to wake up in the morning and remember who we are. Because when temptation comes, we have to deal with it. We have to deal with temptation. So here's what I want us to see in the scripture. The devil is real. that hang for a minute and in our western world we've sort of dismissed that I think we like Jesus but it's hard to get Jesus without the enemy it's hard to get Jesus without Satan showing up and tempting Jesus so don't think we're like immune from that the devil is real And the work often is in distraction, in distraction and deception. Distraction and deception. Here's what I mean. The devil is real and temptation is real. Again, this series we preached previously, we look in the garden, the devil shows up and tempts Adam and Eve. What we love about what Jesus is doing here is commentators go, Jesus is making right what humans messed up. Jesus is making right what humans messed up. And the first point of contention, this is why your identity needs to be anchored in the love of God and being a child of God, is if you listen to the way the devil starts, he says this If you are the Son of God, he's trying to sow doubt about his identity. And then he's trying to get him to be prideful and prove it. And he goes, Actually, this isn't up for grabs. I don't have to do this. Like, I know whom I, who I am, and I know whose I am. It is an anchoring of identity. Jesus anchored his identity. I am the son of God, and you get to do the same. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. God chose me. God loves me. And in Jesus, he reveals that he is reaching for me, and this collision means there is hope for me and for all humanity, because the devil does not get the final word. Jesus goes to work for me in the desert. Okay, here we go. The devil wants to destroy you. The devil wants to destroy you. And and he uses some interesting tactics. He says, hey, if you're hungry, just provide for yourself. you got this. You have the means and the authority to just handle it. Just handle it. He goes, oh, guess what? I've got all this good stuff to give you. God's been holding out. God holds out, but I give Kingdoms. It'll go well for you, like the rest of history. And then he sort of just wants to, like, distract us into disobedience. The devil just sort of wants to take you and just move you, like, a degree. Like, just sort of, like, just for a few days in a row, just forget who you are. Just believe that, like, what will really satisfy your soul is this, like, thing right over here. It's not, it's not going to kill you. That was his ploy in Genesis. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not going to kill you. So he will come at your identity. He will come to destroy you, and it will seem so insignificant. And yet, what does your life tell you? What do we see in Jesus? Jesus. What I want us to understand about this moment is that the work of the enemy, the collision in the desert, is that deception and distraction are subversive efforts of the enemy. It is subversive. The kingdom of darkness is acting subversive to the kingdom of God. It is going a different direction. It is trying to be disruptive to what God created and what God wants to do in the world and in your life, the enemy wants to just go right there just if I can get you to like turn your eyes this way a little bit, if I can get you to believe that you know things more than anybody else, if I can get you to walk in pride, if I can get you to just believe God's holding out on you, if I can get you to believe me more than the voice of God, if I can just subtly move you, that this will satisfy your soul and this is the drink you long for in the desert. And it is subtle. Because he will lie to you. And he will get you to question things that God has spoken clearly in his word, revealed in Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Like this, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God. Uh, Like, that seems to be not up for grabs in Luke 3. God has spoken, this is my son. The same thing he says to you, you are my daughter, you are my son, do you want to receive that? It is a gift I'm ready to give, do you want to receive that? Then he does something like this, because Jesus says, it is written, and he says, it is written, and then the enemy goes, he's still, he's still poking at the identity, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. The amount of discernment that is needed in this collision is a full work of the spirit, and the work of community because even in that temptation what is the enemy doing the enemy is trying to use scripture so not to like create fear for us that's not what i'm doing here i want awareness to open up the enemy knows the scriptures the enemy knows who jesus is and goes to battle him in the desert and then says i'm going to come again at an opportune time Little did he know that opportune time was the salvation of the world. I will, I, I will never forget being in college. You ever cried in a public movie theater? It's a sweet moment. It's good news, all the lights are dark. And you just weep. Watching The Passion of the Christ, I don't know that I can like fully endorse it because it it is graphic. But I watched it. And it just, I was undone. And the scene for me that wrecked me was Jesus, sorry for the emotion, I, I just, it, this is just life. Jesus carrying the cross, back shredded, bearing the weight of my sin and the sin of the world and this devil Satan figure just weaving himself through the crowd with this sinister look of victory the opportune time he thought aha I know what I'll do I will kill him the devil wants to destroy and in this Lenten season we need to begin to let go of the things that are destroying our life that are distraction, are deception, and are just flat-out lies to our identity, and see Jesus marking out the way of life and resurrection, that we could be a people of hope, that when we stand today as the church in this collision, We proclaim the kingdom of God, and we do not buy into this whole thing that swirls around us because our eyes are fixed on Jesus, and we go, if Jesus can do work in the wilderness, if Jesus can do work full of the Spirit, we can be a people who say, come, Holy Spirit. We need you in this desert. We need you in this wilderness, and we say, let your kingdom come. Let it come. Let it come. Do not be surprised by temptation. Do not look around the world and go, What's going on? What's going on is the collision of the kingdoms in this age. Good news. Christ is coming again. And the work he has started in the desert, he has not stopped. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. few mornings ago I woke up and the first thought that hit my mind, my conscious awareness is two words and I think it's an invitation for us as a church in this time and so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to let it be quiet because I just felt like this invitation, I'm just really grateful for how Kelly led us kind of in the worship team and the, the opportunity there but just to, to go, I don't know what you need to do with this but I do think The words were this, come alive. Come alive. I think what we see in this text is an invitation to come alive in the desert. To come alive by the Spirit. To come alive in this season of Lent where we begin to let the things go that are killing us. And we hear the voice of God by the Spirit saying, come alive. God's heart for you is love and life. And this collision of the kingdoms is that we experience death more than anybody I think wants to. And so we want to turn our attention to the kingdom of God and say, God, let your kingdom come. Bring me life. So I don't know what that means to you. I don't know what's happening in your story. But this morning, I just feel like we're supposed to wait and let it be quiet and just say, come Holy Spirit. And let God lead you. Let God speak to you. We believe right now, even if you are exploring faith, you're not a follower of Jesus. Today, one, I would say you are invited to the love of God. But so often that response is because we get encountered by the love of God. So just let God encounter you this morning. The same encounter that Jesus receives, we need to receive. The same thing. So I'm going to pray for us, and I'm just going to let it be quiet for a little while. And then we're going to finish with a time to respond in, in praying for one another. And if this is new for you, just here's what I would say. Just do something that will keep you from being distracted. If that's keeping your eyes open, that works. If it's closing your eyes, that's great. You just need to open your hands. Like, say, God, I'm just I want to be open to you. That's cool, too. So, God, I pray for us as a community... That this hope we see alive in the scriptures would encounter us today. And I just pray that you would speak to every person in the room where they are experiencing the collision. And I pray that we would experience life by the Spirit to say, come alive. Wherever we're experiencing death, we lay that down and we receive life from you. sort of staying in a posture of receiving from God, I just do think we need to, there's two things. If you have a hard time living every day from the truth, you are loved by God. I just believe there's an invitation for you in humility to let go of the reasons you think you are not and hear God say you are. Like you need to hear the voice of God become more authoritative than your own. So you just need to receive the love of God today. I'm just going to pray for that to happen. It's what God does. The other thing is, we are talking about temptation. If you know in your life you've been experiencing temptation, today you can be free. You can be free by the work of the Spirit, by the life of the Scriptures, and by the way Jesus leads us out of those moments. But you just don't have to be hidden. So you just begin to lay that down. So God, I just pray for anybody in the room who really has a difficult time, like, they would say they know they're loved by God, or they actually won't even say it. They just actually think they know better. God, if you, they just can't even, like, they can't even get there. I just pray today you would just, re, like, let the defenses come down and you would just begin to pour your love into their life. Pour your love into their life. And I just pray for freedom. For anybody in the room who is really suffering from deception, they're suffering from distraction, they're suffering from temptation, like you've not been experiencing life. Like the enemy just has sort of boxed you into a corner that you never thought you'd be in. I just pray for freedom in Jesus' name. Like be free today. Be free. Holy Spirit, come and just begin to do the work. That is not the invitation of God. God has invited you to life so we just pray you'd be free in Jesus' name. Let's stand together as a community. We're going to try something today. I think we tried it last week. We've tried it a few different times. I've been thinking about this whole thing of church. Uh, go figure. One of your pastors thinks about church and the community and the people. And here's what I here's what I've come to just. A moment of clarity for me is if you are a follower of Jesus you're coming here because it's part of the journey and I've, I know how our stories go that like you are probably coming here looking for something you're actually looking for an encounter and if you're not yet a follower of Jesus you're exploring faith you're probably coming looking for something so what that tells me is to lesser or greater degrees everybody in the room is looking for something that applies very specifically to your own life. One of the beautiful things about the church is we actually all show up as people who have needs. In our men's Bible study this week, I just have been so encouraged by the guys and what they're sharing as we're reading the scriptures together. And one said, there is more grace in Jesus than sin in me. That's good news today. There is more grace... In Jesus, then sin in me. Which means no matter what you've walked in here with, Jesus has more goodness for you than anything you bring. So today, you can just be free. God, I need more of your grace. And the other thing is one of the guys said, you know, when we pray for one another, that's love in action for our friends. So right where you are, if you are here today and you know you have a need, I just want you to just raise your hand. And then we're going to look around us and the people you're right by You're going to just turn towards your friend, and if we all raise our hand, we'll just take turns praying for each other, and we're going to pray, we're going to pray a really powerful prayer, God help. That's all you have to pray today, is God help. If you are here today, and you need an encounter with God, and you have a need, I think that's why we're actually all here. And I just want to invite you, if you need prayer before you go, just raise your hand, and then the people around you, I want you to just turn, and all you have to do is say, God help. If that's too short for you, then you can just say, come Holy Spirit. Help. <laughs> there we go. That's just great. God does not need our words. We need him to move on us. Okay? And if that's uncomfortable for you, you want somebody to pray, like our prayer ministry teams are going to come be down front and you can come meet with them. They'll handle it confidentiality, with confidentiality and care and love. But I just don't want you to leave today without getting the opportunity for God's love to encounter you. That is why we are here That is why we exist as a community, and as we experience that, we take it with us. And so if you are doing good today, take that with you and give it away this week. We need help. Temptation is real. The collision is real, and we can be a people who say, come, Holy Spirit, let your kingdom come. So today, God, I bless your community. If you have need, just raise your hand, start looking around. But God, I bless your community to experience a filling of the Holy Spirit so that as we walk out our days in the desert, as we walk out our days in the collision of the kingdoms, we would know we are your kids, and your Spirit is giving us everything that we need. Your Spirit is giving us everything we need to stand in the battle because you are standing right there with us. We bless them to receive your love in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.